You are listening to RudolfSteinerAudio.com. If you are listening to the podcast of this, it is located at RudolfSteiner.Podbean.com. Please consider becoming a patron. As well, there are two publishing houses, SteinerBooks.org in America and RudolfSteinerPress.com in England, who are the sole publishers of Steiner into English and have given me permission to do these recordings. Please consider patronizing them as well. You are listening to RudolfSteinerAudio.com. This is a reading of a set of lectures, cycle of lectures and seminars on world economics entitled Rethinking Economics by Rudolf Steiner. This is the third seminar given in Dornach on August 2nd, 1922. Comment. Again, the idea of acknowledgement is brought into the discussion and is again characterized by Rudolf Steiner as inappropriate for the science of economics. Rudolf Steiner. The idea of acknowledgement leads into the philosophy of economics, not really into the science of economics itself. Besides that, it must be our striving to find such points of view of the science of economics so that, because they are always changing themselves, they can be carried into all areas of economic life. You will hardly reach all the elements of economics with the idea of acknowledgement without very greatly expanding this concept. This you can always do with concepts. I will say, for example, what form would the idea that was developed yesterday take if we had to deal with the situation that a previously completely unknown Rembrandt was found somewhere in an attic? And what what if it was a matter of appraising this Rembrandt's economic value, concerning which we are certainly able to speak? I don't mean how could we actually do this, But how does it relate to the idea of acknowledgement? Comment The one advocating the idea of acknowledgement says it derives from the, in quotes, political element, such as from unearned market profits. Rudolf Steiner When we have the possibility to bring about the reality of threefolding, then the concept of the, in quotes, political element, as you have developed it, will fall away. Because the political element is essentially contained in the rights sphere, it would then completely fall out of the economic sphere, and therefore one would could not come to the point of bringing in an acknowledgement through some kind of political conduct. But the question remains, what then is the political element? It is really an entirely secondary concept that has been forcibly derived. For from the purely economic point of view, there is no reason to be political. In the example that you brought up about the business person who is counting on earning 200,000 marks while he pays his workers only 80,000 and who then takes in 500,000 because the business situation has improved. In a case like that, there is no necessity to bring in politics. Let us assume the following. With the greater earnings he acquired provided the workers can make out all right with their 80,000 marks and are content with that, the business person can quite openly stand before them all and say, I counted on earning 200,000 marks, but I got 300,000 more instead. It was on this assumption that 200,000 would be earned that we founded this business. Now we have earned 300,000 more. For many reasons I find it more proper for the whole of the economic organism within which we stand to found a school with this 300,000 marks, rather than distribute it to you. Do you agree to that? 
There you have a format where the economic processes remain the same, but you have no need whatever to reckon with any sort of political factor. The political element is secondary in the history of the world. That is simply due to the fact that the primitive, perhaps highly unsympathetic, but entirely honest power relationships gradually took on the form of war between people. One cannot, however, say that war is the continuation of politics only with other means, but politics is modern war carried on at the intellectual level. For this war depends on deceiving the opponent, on bringing about situations that deceive one's opponent. Every flanking movement, all kinds of things that are not a direct or open attack, depend on deceiving the opponent. And a general will earn the more credit the more he succeeds in outwitting the enemy. Transferred to the intellectual level, that is politics. In politics you find exactly the same categories. When one speaks of politics, one would like to say it should be striven for to overcome politics in everything, even in politics. For basically, we have real politics only when all of what plays out in the political field does so in a rightful way, but then we would really have just a constitutional state. Question. About the example of the tailor. Rudolf Steiner. The error arises only because the earnings from a single suit of clothes are extremely small, and therefore it would also take a very long time before this little gain in the tailor's monetary balance is so evident that he could actually look upon it as a deficit. This situation comes about because, through the division of labor, products are in fact made cheaper. If one works for a community influenced by the division of labor, then one's own products appear to be cheaper than when one is working by oneself. That is just what the actual cheapening effect of labor division consists of. If one does not use it at a certain stage, then one's self-made articles become more expensive. Now, of course, the gain from a single suit that the tailor makes for himself would not make much difference, whereas it would be noticeable if all tailors did it. With further division of labor, no one would ever make anything by himself, possibly only on a farm. If a tailor now actually makes a suit for himself and he wants to set up a correct balance sheet, then he would simply have to put his own suit in this balance sheet at a higher price than that of the market. Thus he must enter his expenses higher than the market price. It does not matter very much in deciding an individual case whether or not he now actually buys the suit. It is a self-evident presumption, of course, that one is not buying the clothes from other tailors, but from dealers. The price of the suit from a dealer is cheaper, otherwise the division of production and sales would make no sense. Then the price would be if the tailors concerned were to work without dealers. So the tailor has to set the price somewhat higher if he is working without a dealer, because the dealer brings things to the market more cheaply than the tailor himself could turn them over. At best, one could make the objection, which under some circumstances might be justified, that the lower price of the merchandise handled by the dealer is due to the fact that the tailor must include the cost of the trip if he has to get his material from the dealer. Then he would discover that by working through a dealer these trips also become cheaper. Through a simple comparison of the tailor's and the dealer's prices, 
you could, of course, never find out whether the suit is is more or less expensive. Question. The price of the one suit is supposed to exert a downward trend on the price of the others. Why would the other suits become more expensive? Rudolf Steiner. It exerts a downward trend on the price through the fact that the tailor takes out the one suit from all the suits that the dealers are handling, so that, for this suit, he takes away the possibility of their making a profit. Therefore they must demand a greater profit for the other suits. The greater profit, demanded by the dealers, causes them to raise the price, but for the tailor that means a lowering of the price. Question. The question is now whether this lowering of the price makes less of a difference than going the dealer route raises the price. Rudolf Steiner. You will not find that anywhere. Try to solve this problem. That is a task that can be directly stated thus. To what extent does using a dealer have a cheapening effect compared with selling by oneself? Put directly like this, it would be important as a, a topic for a dissertation. You would see that if fifty do- tail- excuse me, you would see that if fifty tailors charge for their travel to sell their goods, it would actually cost more than if the dealers made the trips. Objection. About the suit that the tailor keeps for himself, you say that if it goes through the dealer, then it becomes cheaper. Now, with this suit, the whole expense of the dealer making the trip is saved. Rudolf Steiner. This would be the case if using the dealer did not make it cheaper. But since it does so, then it does not make any difference that he keeps the suit at home. Comment. Let us say the cost of making it is 100 marks. Through bargaining, the price is raised to 120 marks. The dealer reduces it to 110. But if the tailor does not put his own suit up for sale, then he also saves the 10 marks. Rudolf Steiner. But in this case, you must consider the total balance resulting from both dealers and tailors as an actual economic reality. You would have to investigate how this one item affects the total balance. You cannot find it merely by comparing the individual entries. One would have to see it in the whole picture. Then you would see that because the economic division of labor means that work becomes more fruitful, I would harm myself and others if I return from a complete economic division of labor to a former method. The mistake comes about because it is difficult to maintain the terribly small dividend. But I need only to set up the following progression. If you conceived of the tailors all making their own clothes and setting up an association, then that which would have to be entered differently in the balance as a joint item would be quite significant. Comment. In the ready-made in the ready-made clothes industry, that becomes even clearer. Rudolf Steiner. Quite certainly, that is so. Of course, then what the underlying causes are should be looked into. It would be a very small item if it concerns the division of labor only between the producers and the dealers. On the other hand, the item becomes very considerable if there is a further division of labor. If then the tailor now no longer makes complete suits, but only parts of them. Then, if he wants to make his own suit, it will be much more expensive than if he bought it somewhere else. I did say that it was just a radical example, as my purpose was to illustrate a principle. 
But what becomes clear with further division of labor is was also true at its very beginning. Question. Why could this not be relevant to our agriculture? Rudolf Steiner. I did not say that. It is becoming ever rarer for people to produce for themselves with the exception of agriculture, where it is obvious the farmer will take care of himself. In agriculture, where there are in any case many revisions of the general economic process, it does not make so much difference whether the farmer eats from his own crop of cabbage or buys it. If, however, a real economic relationship were to exist between agriculture and other areas in the sense of threefolding, then it would also come into consideration for agriculture. However, the situation today is such that all kinds of underground rearrangements are taking place through which the relationship of the prices between industry and agriculture is completely undermined. That will be dealt with in the next days. But if one were to investigate the total balance of an economic area in such a way as to balance out agriculture against industry, then it would become apparent that under present conditions a substantial part of agriculture flows into industry simply in underground ways. But if under the associative principle exactly just as many or at least nearly as many workers worked in one of the branches as far as prices allow, then we would have a quite different division between land and urban areas. People underestimate what it would mean if the associative principle were adopted. Therefore, it is not very easy to answer the question why der Kommendetag is not an association. It is not an association simply because it is not strong enough to have a particular influence on the economic process. For that, one first needs an association of a certain size. What else can der Kommendetag accomplish today between entrepreneurs and workers other than what also will happen anyway? That accomplishment would be possible only in one situation, once I also said that in a company meeting, namely if all the employees of Der Kommendetag were to decide to quit the unions. Then one would have the beginning of a movement that would also gradually get this business going from the other side, namely from the side of the workers. But so long as they participate in strikes in the same way as all the other workers, it is quite impossible to speak with them in an ideal way. Through the associative way, a large number of factories would soon relocate from the cities to the country, and similar things would happen as a necessary consequence of working in the associative way. It is not for nothing that there are villages and village economies. In a primitive economic system, the village kind is the only form of economics. Then we have the markets. In economics, these designations are much more correct than one would think. As long as the market is there, with the villages around it, it represents something less harmful economically, even if it operates under the law of supply and demand, than if it were part of an urban economy, unless there are scoundrels around, which is a personal matter. The urban economy radically changes the whole relationship between producers and consumers. Then we no longer have villages that regulate their markets themselves, excuse me, their market themselves. But we have opened the door to all kinds of possibilities that exist when the relationship between consumers and producers is no longer a clear one, when it becomes mixed up. And that is the case when people live together in cities. 
In the course of longer periods of time, not, however, exceptionally long, it would turn out that in the cities the administrative officers, the central schools, and so on, would essentially be together in the spiritual, cultural, and political life, whereas both the economic and political life would be decentralized together. Also, their association would be spatially separate, but not so that there would now be three quite separate parts. Rather, so that the cities would essentially represent a spiritual cultural life that is interwoven with a more centralized, a a greater horizontal administration. And smaller administrations, like business enterprises, would find themselves more decentralized. This would presume that the transport facilities would become much more efficient than they are now. These have not been improved so much, only because transportation was just not necessary for production when the manufacturers were sitting together in the cities. The relationship between producers and consumers cannot be comprehended in any other way than by forming an association. But then the relationships that came about when they were mixed up are changed. For the associative system is something that is not only supposed to organize, but something that manages. The associative principle would show that the health of the threefold organism depends at the same time on the health of each single part. It is on that that the working together of the three parts depends. It is not so easy to speak about threefolding because there are so many points of view about it. If today one describes to a man what will come about there, he says, prove it to me. Indeed, nobody can theoretically prove to me that he will be hungry tomorrow. However, from experience, we know that he will be hungry tomorrow. And so with a correct economic thinking, a correct economic foreknowledge will come about. You must look upon it as something real. What is here meant by correct economic thinking, that one begins to develop a kind of thinking that itself is also really productive. Otherwise I could ask you, what economic value does the theory of economy have? One that is merely reflective has a quite different economic value. It is basically one of consumption, rather than one that is really thought through. The latter is fundamentally one of production. Question. Tailors reduce the price of their product when they take care of themselves by division of labor. Does that really also hold good for a button or some other partial product? Rudolf Steiner. As a boy I lived in a village where there was a shoemaker. His name was Binder. He refused to have any contact with his customers that he did not initiate himself. He delivered every pair of boots which he made himself, for my father and mother. Now, what does a whole pair of boots consist of? In this case, the boots consisted of pipings. They are such long ones. The upper piece, the arch, the sole, and the journey of the shoemaker that had to make, that he had, and the journey of the shoemaker that he had to make to get to us. That belongs to it. It makes no difference at all whether you now speak of the piping, the sole, or his journey. The division of labor first came about when one took away the piece that consisted of his walk. That is the most radical part, especially with the tailor, because there you do not so easily see everything that belongs to it. When I had pulled on my boots, I knew I was making the walk that the shoemaker made. Question. Do I also reduce the price with a button that I myself make? Rudolf Steiner. In that case, you will possibly lose the most, 
because then you do not need it at all. Interjection. I would like to assume that I do need it. Rudolf Steiner. Then the question arises what you need the product for. When you so alter it, it can be a small or a great alteration, so that it has a real value, then perhaps you will not lose anything. Remark. I need it to be consumed, therefore to be used up. Rudolf Steiner. In agriculture, there are other corrections to be made. If the division of labor were carried out, then it would also work there. But you will hardly find it possible, when you hold back what has been produced with division of labor, to make it valuable in such a way so that it brings about a reduction in cost. A loaf of bread is still very close to agriculture, but just with this loaf of bread we had a really disastrous experience. With the best of intentions, it was before the war, we asked one of the members of our society to produce a healthy and otherwise good bread. This bread was then supplied only to our members and not given to others. This bread became so expensive that it simply became impossible. Comment. That was really a quality bread. Rudolf Steiner. If the price difference was due only to what was justified by the quality, then one could have put it right. But the price difference was considerably larger, caused only because in the general production a more extensive division of labor was used than in that of our member. In his operation the work was not divided among as many people as in that of the others, so that his production was considerably more expensive. Question. What about fashionable clothes? Rudolf Steiner. But there we are now in the realm of aesthetics, not of economics. I did not want to go into the question of whether it would not perhaps be a good thing if the division of labor were avoided in certain areas. I am even against carrying out the division of labor in every area, not for economic reasons, but for reasons of good taste. I even find it gruesome when the division of labor is carried out to the nth degree in human clothing, for example. But there we must say, of course we must advance an independent spiritual cultural life, which will naturally cost us something at first. It would make some things more expensive, but it would balance out, even though certain products that are not included in the division of labor become more expensive. But please, do not misinterpret this to mean that I want to be a fanatic. Question. What is the situation when there are significantly more dealers than is economically justified? Rudolf Steiner. What I have said presupposes that there are just so many dealers as are economically justified. We are not dealing here with a linear progression, but with a maximum-minimum direction. With a certain number of dealers, we have the most favorable influence of having a system of dealers. Less than or more than that is unfavorable. Question. Can the number be determined? Rudolf Steiner. If the business is run at all sensibly, then the number of dealers is determined in the same way as that of the producers. Of course, today, sensible business management does not exist anywhere. One does not consider what an enormous amount of work is done unnecessarily. Just think about the printing of books. If all this unnecessary work were saved, then you would everywhere find an approach to normal numbers. The saving of unnecessary work already results in the decrease of the normal number of people working in a business. Today the fact is that the dealer system actually costs more than the workers themselves, at least in Germany. 
for every article a certain number of dealers are needed. But finally you must also consider that sometimes even the dealer system is disguised. It is replaced by the greatest variety of other things. Just think how much the dealers can be replaced by having great marketplaces. In that way an entirely different economic category is created. The end of Seminar 3